Hello everybody and welcome back to Totem Talks. This is part two of our summer series. Barefoot podcasting. Barefoot podcasting. It's it too is, hot. It's too hot. <laughs> the summer has arrived in the UK and Yay. like traditional Brits, we have moaned for so long about it being cold and now it's hot. We're just like, oh, it's too warm. <laughs> um, if you're new to this summer series, we are doing uh, basically a little looky-see at how to run your own company, how to start your own business, whether to go self-employed or not, you know, the nitty gritty of actually stepping out into the big, wide, scary world of being self-employed. In the sort of HR, L&D consultancy yes. space. It does apply to most business owners. There are some differences, but generally speaking, um, this is where it's at. And today we are going to be continuing on the kind of client side, aren't we? Hmm. So, so yeah, in part one, it was the nitty gritty of self-employed, limited company, mm-hmm. fat registered, all that guff. Uh, yeah. Today, we're moving into how do you get clients? Yeah. Um, also, we've missed the introductions piece. I'm Helen Fruin. Oh, I'm Mark Smith. Yes, well done. Thank you very much. Welcome to Totem Talks. We, we are your hosts for today hosts. and forever, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you describe... Because you know, people do look at our client list and say, wow. You know, I mean, years ago, our biggest client would have been Carphone Warehouse. We had um, the Commonwealth Secretariat. Now, when you look at our client list, it's so much broader. You've got city banks, top global law firms, mm-hmm. media companies like Disney and Discovery. You've got big companies like Dyson, KFC, the big brands. When people say to you, how did you get those clients? Where do you start? Hmm. I think you've got to jump in a time machine and go back to when we didn't have those clients. I think we were investing a lot of time doing basically, I'm going to use the word on live on air, fly shit stuff, weren't we? And I think if that is the kind of client base you're looking at working with. So I'm talking like, you know, joesheds.com or or whatever. If that's the kind of client list you're aiming for, then honestly, really good luck to you. We have found that in the HR L&D space, the only place, places that have the budget that (laughs) frankly we're after or interested in are the big sort of FTSE 350 type companies. Anybody any smaller than that, and you're going to spend a lot of time haggling for not a lot more money, if at all. Um, we did have a little um, investigation into becoming a veterinarian specialist in the HR space. And there, there are some companies um, like us operating there, but I know for a fact their margins are absolutely shocking. Um, they're not of interest to us as a company. Um, I do know that their sales team works just as hard as our sales team for a worse return. So as a business owner, business owner hat on, we're not we're just not interested in that space and it's a really tough one because you know i remember like you say if you if you go back in a time machine um well the power of memory uh you know you're speaking to people who run those veterinary practices Mm -hmm. and they are super passionate about Mm. looking after their clients and looking after the animals coming in and they want to help run their teams in the best way and they want to benefit from our services but they just don't have the budget to pay for it. Mm. So like you say, you end up haggling over price and just being dragged way, way down, way below the day rate that you may have 
decided you want to to stick at. Um, And of course, as we all do, after you've haggled down to that price, you then expect the service you would get for full price. So you're now working just as hard as you would be doing for your full day rate. Yeah. But you're making a fraction of that. Yeah. And that only leads to bad feeling. (laughs) Really bad vibes. And um, I think the realisation for us, I think we call it our big and chunky moment, don't we? Um, You know, we're sort of there. um, I think it was like maybe two or three of us in the room at the time. I had just come back from an event called Networking, which was a networking meeting on a walk. Ah, yes. Yeah. And it was lovely. It was lovely. Right, so you're walking around this beautiful nature reserve and the facilitator of the event makes sure that you mingle and, and mix up so that you got to meet everyone who was there. There was someone there from the local hotel who was promoting, you know, come use our local venue. There was indeed a shed company there. I think this is where this come from. We often talk about shed companies. Uh, there was somebody from a travel company. There was someone who did dog grooming. You know, all your little local businesses mm-hmm. having a chat with each other. And I was there because, frankly, I just didn't know what else I should be doing. Yeah, I was hearing yeah. all these things, you know, go to breakfast meetings, what do you, BNI, BNI yeah. breakfast networking meetings, uh, go to this, do marketing, get, get your sales, this is how you can get your sales. And so I was just doing all of this stuff because I didn't really know what I should be doing and what to say no yeah, to. But in retrospect, do you not think that was fear? It was fear of not doing something or fear of fear. It was, it was a fear. Yeah, was if fear I don't driven. do this, I, I don't won't do be this, successful. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember, it's a weird thing in my mind. It feels like as a, as, a, as a group of people, I felt like we had very rounded shoulders. We were kind of, oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then we just had this realization that actually that only companies who can afford to enable you know the, the team at the time to live the lifestyles that they wanted to to actually enable the business to grow were bigger companies and overnight we just sliced off any work <laughs> that was associated with somebody who had a turnover of less than you know several million pounds a year um what that created was a massive void in all of our workloads and the first thing you wanted to do was just panic and go, ah, what do I do I'm now? not busy, therefore I'm, I'm not going to be not successful. I'm not busy, therefore I'm not successful. Um, and today, even today, we still struggle with that fear, don't we? When, when, there's a, when there's a big gap in the diary, everyone's eyes are like, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Must be busy fools. <laughs> must be busy fools. Exactly, it must be busy fools. And we were busy fools. Uh, we were, you know, we were, our turnover was nowhere near what it is today, and um, yeah, it was it was panic driven. Mm. And I do think you will have to wrestle with that fear if you're going to go self-employed. You're running a smaller company; that fear will live with you, and you you basically just need to wrestle with it. Sometimes it will kick your ass, sometimes you will kick its ass, and that 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 is part of the joy in some senses of of being self-employed. Mm. Um, anyway, so this piece about okay. Actually, who do we want to be focusing on? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's interesting if we go back to, to part one of this summer series, we talked about, you know, how do you start mm. with your setup? Well, do you want to be self-employed, limited company, VAT registered? Perhaps it's helpful to ask some questions in advance of that. Like, what do you want to be doing? Yeah. You know, what what is it you want to be selling or, or delivering? Yeah, what services are you providing? Exactly. What What is it that... You know, why is it that you want to be running your own business? If it's mm-hmm. just that you're a bit sick of office politics, 
you might just come into this again through fear, right? I, I'm sick of that. So now I've come into self-employed-dom, but mm. what do I want? So moving away from just, I don't want that. Actually, what do you want? Yeah. I want to be my own boss. Well, no. that's not going to cut it. No. What do you want to offer? How do you want to help your clients? How do you, you know, think about what it is that you're offering? Mm -hmm. Because... If you do come to, you know, I'm an HR expert, I want to help little businesses make sure that they've got policies in place and good recruitment, and I might make 150, 300 pounds a day doing that, and that works for me perfectly. If that's where you are, then go to your breakfast network meetings, yeah. or you know, that is exactly the space that you're in, yeah. and people will get what you do because you're talking about recruitment policies, interviewing people get that. One of the biggest issues I had going to all of these networking meetings is that nobody understood what I did because they're running their plumbing company, their building company, their shed company. When you talk to a head of L&D, when you talk to a head of talent, you don't have to explain what you do. They just get it. Mm -hmm. So knowing what you're offering and who you want to offer it to yeah. will then help you say, well, if that's who I want to offer it to, what are the marketing and sales activities I can do to those people specifically to those people as well and i think that's where uh, i would say two things have been very useful f for us um number one is you being an extrovert um always helpful the the, the image i can't remember who described this but basically if you wheel helen into a room <laughs> with a glass of champagne in her, in her hand she will own that room by the time she's finished that glass of champagne <laughs> <laughs> I might take a few more glasses of champagne. I mean, <laughs> just the one. Um, so, so having having um, that personality type on the team has been incredibly useful to us. And if you're not in that space, you need to get in that space. I, I can, I can. I'm an I'm a deep introvert. I can work in that space for a limited period of time. So, really, if if you if you're less confident networking just you've got to throw yourself in just get it done and i've worked with so many introverts who have become yeah. great networkers because yeah. the key is as you've said short bursts of time yeah. to imagine you're going to have to do this all day every day would be your worst nightmare mm -hmm. but to say right for this half an hour i'm going to this networking event and this is what i'm going to do and going in with a real focus like these are the three people i want to meet i've looked at the delegate list in advance because you can walk around saying has anybody seen this person mm -hmm. or find someone you know and ask them who they know yeah. when you go in with a very targeted focus you can do it for a short amount of time yeah. even if you hate it yeah um for me it's much more natural and easy it's, it's more natural um, so that's that's one networking uh, either through LinkedIn or face to face. I think face to face has been better for us. Definitely. Um, and then there's there's two specific marketing things I, I, from my perspective that work quite well. Um, one is having resources behind you to send to people. So in the first couple of years, clients would come to us and say, "Well, that's a really interesting thing I've read. Could you send me some more information on that?" And we would go, "Absolutely." Funny. And then, go write something. And then there would be like six people running around going, oh my God, we need to write something quickly. Uh, and not just write something quickly, but make it look like it's an actual marketing document, not just like you've just, you know, fast Scribbled something on words. Yeah, I mean, that's awful. So, you know, actually write it down, organize it, maybe do a bit of publisher work or whatever it is you're going to use. Make it look, mwah, and then send it. That actually takes a bit of time. Mm. And over the course of a few years, we had enough panic sessions for us to have, <laughs> you know, quite a reasonable stock of, of different marketing materials. Again, that goes onto the website and, you know, just enhances your credibility and also 
gives you a great sense of relief when someone says, have you got anything on this? And you're like, yes. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I, have. <laughs> I haven't got to go and write it. <laughs> I haven't got to write yes. it. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> um, and then the other one, and we're gonna, I'm going to have to give a shout out to him, um, Richard Chase Events. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are um, sort of these orchestrated networking mm-hmm. events that you will, as a small business owner, you will get absolutely pummeled with emails and phone calls from Richmond Summit, yeah, I, I yeah, something um, HR directors conference. conference. Bluff, There's bloody, so many. There are so many. Yeah, and they range from sort of five grand to fifty grand, and as in how much you as a small independent as, as a, yeah, consultant yeah, yeah. have to pay that's to how go. much you as a business owner have to pay to attend one yeah so and this is a really interesting point for me and i'm very glad i get the opportunity to say this if you are listening to this and you have been invited as a client to one of those things please bear in mind that the poor schmuck sitting in front of you trying to sell something to you has paid thousands of pounds to be there so if you're just there for the croissants and the free coffee oh it's 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 really frustrating for us as a business, isn't it? But also, you've got to expect you've got to understand being on the other side, yeah, right? which so, you have been, which I've been. So if I'm working in L and D, talent, HR, and you know I want to know what's the latest thinking, what suppliers are out there, I can go to an event for free to meet with suppliers, have good conversations. Am I just going for free croissants? No, this is like part of my CPD. It's part of me developing myself. And often these events are not described accurately. Yeah, so, from either from either side, right? Exactly. Um, so you think you're going along as a head of L&D for a conference. What you don't realise you're going to is sales meetings. Yeah, lots of them as well. Yeah, so I don't want to be too mean to mm. clients in inverted commas, heads of L&D, heads of HR who turn up to those events. And many have turned up to those events and been rudely spoken to by suppliers who say well I've paid thousands of pounds to speed it and that I don't think that's fair so whilst I'm with you that it is frustrating I also see the other side of the coin that and this is this, is, this highlights precisely why you're the people manager in the business <laughs> and I'm the money manager so I look, I look at the tens of thousands of pounds we've dropped on these things and then I go so what was the return on that oh it was nothing I had some good conversations we sent a few emails. I'm like, I go away and chunter and just you know lick envelopes and I don't know. So so yes, but, but there are one or two events. I mean, I can't think of any other than Richard Chase. Um, Richard Chase is the best one by a country mile. Country mile. Uh, from my perspective, um, it's it's the informality of the day. It's. I think the first one you went to, you, you the idea you ended up playing pool with people. Yeah, it was lovely actually, because the first one was more like a two-day event. So you had the overnight, so it's really casual, informal. We're playing pool and having drinks in the evening. That's lovely. For most people, it's, you know, well, I don't want to have a two-night stay and, and travel to wherever. Um, can we just do it like 10 till 3 on a Friday? Mm. So that's where Richard has moved to. Um, so if you are interested in these events, have a look up Richard Chase Connect events. We'll put a link in the, um, yeah. the pits underneath. 
um, because they are, like you say, informal gatherings. They are still very clearly, you will have sales meetings with people. Uh, and so the delegates coming along, the heads of L&D, heads of HR, they know that they will have these sales meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also kind of conference content, workshops, and it's just really well. Rich has got a gift of pulling together like like-minded people or good people it's good i don't know it's very rare that you end up with someone there who's like a really cutthroat salesy person that you don't want to be anywhere near it's fascinating Um, in fact i'm trying to i'm just thinking we've we've made some very good friends yes meeting other suppliers at that event and you know so i'm thinking grace marshall yeah you met her at uh, connect event and you know you two are working on a book together you know it's you know the like you say there are some real he's got a real gift for bringing like-minded people together um, so would recommend, I would recommend those type of events, mm. but you've got to be very, very careful about the ones that you choose. Do not get blinded by the delegate list. Do mm-hmm. not get blinded by the cost um, or the location. We sent you to Barcelona, mm. which was probably a very nice time, but utterly crap in terms of return. ROI, yeah. Um, so yeah, be very careful about these. But those networking events, at the very least, offer you um, a, a, an a, a, an excuse to then be contacting people again and again and again and I think where a lot of people kind of look at our client list and go how did you get those people frankly it was just being persistent little buggers wasn't it so we've come across one or two people mm-hmm. and we've had a really good conversation with them we've had a really good look at their business and what their business might needs might be um and we've sent them a follow-up email after a networking event or through that initial contact. And then not a lot has happened. And then three months later, we've got a few more articles on our website. You send them another one. And then you send them another one. And then 18 months later, because you've just, you've not nagged them. That's not the word I want to use. Persistence is, yeah. Because a lot of people say to me, oh, I feel bad. I feel like I'm nagging. I feel like I'm um, bothering them you're not bothering if you're adding value to their day Mm. so if you've got content that is really interesting if you've done a linkedin piece or you've written you've got a podcast to share with them if you're sharing value with them you're not bothering them at all if you're just sending those cold emails that say oh hi i wondered if you wanted to get in touch or go for coffee i'm not interested in that and that's very it's very us in terms of marketing it may not be for you listener you may be more in the kind of cold email kind of space and then you've got a question, is it working? Is right? it working? If those and cold that, emails thing, are working for question. you. Is it working? Yeah. If we have working. never found that cold stuff works. It has always been adding value, following up on connections. I mean, it's interesting when you say, you know, how have we got those clients? It's through being so persistent. Mm. That is part of it. The other huge part of it has been being good at what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier that when we started out, our biggest client was Carphone Warehouse. We can now trace most of our clients. Yes, that is true. Back to Carphone Warehouse. We can. Because if you do a great job and someone who works there leaves, they take you with them. So now my client is Carphone Warehouse and Paddy Power at the time became a It was, it was, yeah. Um, Then somebody who worked at Paddy Power went to WH Smith. So now I've got Carphone Warehouse, Paddy Power and WH Smith as my client list, all because I did a good job at Carphone Warehouse. That's how you can start and, and again that's about being persistent and following up and making sure when that person leaves you're connected with them on linkedin you're following up yeah but as i say you can trace back dyson came from car phone warehouse it, it did right so so many of our connections 
of all for you just doing a good job. Yeah. Fascinating. And that, I mean, that is where a LinkedIn profile is very useful um, for for anybody, frankly, um, in this kind of sales space. You know, when you see that somebody has moved a job, it's so it's so easy to just to send them a little message saying, you know, good luck in your new role. What we often end up doing is offering um, free coaching sessions. So, yeah. trans, you know, people who've been made redundant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Free career coaching. Transition coaching, what, yeah. you know, whatever Helping it is. Helping you prepare for your interview. Um, it's just it's just a nice thing to do. It's just a good thing right? to do. So I've been working with you for ages yeah. and, you know, you've paid me money. I've been coming in and helping you with your mm. various projects and now you've lost your job. I can help with that. I can give you space to think about what you want to do next. I can help you mm. prepare for your interview. I can connect you with good recruitment agencies. There's not many of them, so it's good to re- connect you yeah. with the good ones. Um, it's just a nice thing to do. Mm. And if the side benefit of doing what feels like a right, good thing to do is that you then keep in touch with that person and go with them to their new company, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Win-win. That's what you're looking for, frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else? I guess I want to come back to, I said earlier, think about who you want to work with. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things I struggled with early on in business, and every now and then I go back around in the cycle, Mm -hmm. is people saying, oh, you've got to be niche. You've got to be a specialist. Mm -hmm. You can't just say, oh, my my services are available to everyone. You've got to be niche in what you offer. And and just a challenge to that, the reason why we have survived both Brexit and coronavirus is because we're not niche. Yeah. we've got a very diverse client list and that so has, when one yeah, yeah market yeah. drops another market tends to go up yeah that has yeah. absolutely saved our bacon <laughs> frankly <laughs> but where we are niche or um specific about who our clients are is the size of clients that yes yes absolutely and so there is something so you know when people have said well do you specialize in banking or do you specialize in media we've always said no we, we don't specialize um but to say, well, we, but, but it also means we're not going to go for shared companies and veterinary practices. And mm. so there is a, a focus there. Um, and just by the nature of Carphone Warehouse and that growing into many clients, we've got a lot of retail and leisure. Mm-hmm. We've got a fair bit of hospitality, that side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've grown into the media space more and more. Um, and then we've had little bits, you know, there's law firms, there's city banks, there's Pharmaceuticals seems to be the one that we don't get involved in, which is interesting. That just seems. Yeah, to... I think maybe because there's only one or two sort of major ones. Major that I players. Can think of. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, we did some pharma work a few years back, but it was mm. only one client. So yeah. Anyway, um, who do you want to be working with? When you're clear on that, whether it is that you want to specialise in banking or media, or it is more about size of business, mm-hmm. then go after them. Mm. And going after them doesn't mean cold calling and poking people on LinkedIn and being really annoying as all of us get those messages on LinkedIn. Um, It can mean thinking about, well, so imagine finding someone on LinkedIn who's an HR director in the kind of company you want to work in and seeing who their connections are that you know. And then speaking to your connections. Do you know this person? Could you introduce me? Uh, Thinking about where are they? So I've often found that those people are speaking at this event I then go to that event and meet them. Mm. So find out where they are. Where are they? Are they on Twitter? Can I start following them on Twitter and commenting on their posts? And then I get noticed. It's just once you've identified who you want to work with, 
you can find ways to go after them and find that warmer relationship mm. than just sending some cold email saying hi how are you want to work with you mm. it doesn't it tend doesn't to work tend to work no occasionally may do but not often mm. and not often enough for it to be useful um yeah and i think once you've once you've identified those people it's it's then finding out what they're interested in and then tailoring your contact with them to reflect their needs Great, because then you can start talking about what content. So if I'm following you on Twitter mm. and I see you're talking a lot about hybrid working, what materials do we have about hybrid working yeah. that I can share with you? Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, part of the reason why this podcast has been quite useful for us is because quite often it's, it's client driven. So, you know, a client, I think we're going to be doing a podcast in a few weeks um, about rating scales. Mm. Um, that that has come about because a client has, has raised some questions about it. We've got some articles and stuff on our website but it would be really good to actually talk it through and actually give the client a sense about our thinking on this not just a readable thing but um to explore that and then in a few weeks time there will be an email going from here to that client saying here's a here's a raft of content that we have and here's a podcast that we did on it so you know by all means have a have a listen um it's it's adding value in sales process um when you're contacting those people that you've identified that is um it it feels good doing it it is more work than just a cold call but we find that the relationship develops much more quickly and tends to be more robust in the long term as well it, it tends to be less transactional um which is why we then get taken to other companies as as, as people move on and change and all these things yeah it's actually a real success for me when people say you feel like a partner, mm. right? Because a load of suppliers will come in and say, I'm not just a supplier, I'm a partner. Mm. And it's just one of those things people say, but when clients say it to us, you feel like a partner. I want to take you to my next company or I want to introduce you to someone else. You know, that's a huge measure of success for us. Mm. Brilliant. Well, there you go. There is part two of our summer series, part all two. about clients. Part three. Part three, we're going to talk about being a good consultant, which, which we already started to touch on here have, about yeah, yeah. Uh, getting the content right. But as I say, if, if so much of our business has come from doing a good job at Carphone Warehouse, what is doing a good job? That's what we'll be talking about in part three. Perfect. Have a lovely week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you.